Well, hey there, it is Pastor Susie and Pastor Caleb sitting down again, and we just wanted to talk through some of yesterday's message and yes. some of the practical points that we can implement as people who are looking to follow Jesus um, with all that we have. And, you know, as I was listening to the message yesterday, it just kind of hit me how different people in our church would be receiving this and maybe some takeaways that we can give them um, or that you can go deeper into. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was um, as a follower of Jesus, we also have a responsibility to lead other people. And you mentioned that sometimes we don't feel ready for that. Sometimes yeah. that's intimidating. Yeah. And at the same time, Jesus doesn't give us the option not to lead people. Um, and so what do we do when we're in that stage of like, man, I don't quite feel like, I'm ready or I'm built for that yeah. um, type of, of thing. Yeah, I think it's really helpful because I've definitely been in settings where I felt like the small fish in the pond. Like, how am I going to lead? You know, everybody else is better than me. I'm not that person. I don't have that personality. Mm -hmm. I don't have that skill set. And, and here I am, right, like as a middle-aged adult that stands in front of a group of people. But I wasn't always that way. Like, that's been a journey in my life. Um, but I, I think one of the things that maybe puts all that in perspective is that question that I tried to put in front of everybody of who, who is the most impactful person in your life? And probably the greatest level of impact that someone's had in your life is not measured by how type A their personality is, mm -hmm. how you know loud and extroverted they are, or, um, or how many other people they've influenced even, right? Those are standards that we think of in, in terms of corporate leadership. Um, but personal leadership, the most powerful kind of leadership is often relational. Yeah. And so I would say that's the starting point is that Jesus isn't necessarily expecting everyone to be an apostle. Mm -hmm. He called 12 people to be apostles, but he called everybody to be disciples. Yeah. And so apostles might be making large quantities of disciples, but every disciple is supposed to make a couple other disciples. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's where it's like thinking about um, in the book Lead Like Jesus that our staff is actually going through, uh, Ken Blanchard uses the term life role relationships. Where do you play a role in someone else's life? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a roommate, I mean, I had some roommates in my young adult years that were hugely impactful in my journey of faith, in my development. I mean, that can be a powerful relationship. Coworkers, I've had some pretty impactful coworkers. Um, I'd like to think I was an impactful coworker in various settings. So all those different life role relationships often are the real catalysts for transformation in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I think that's that's helpful to think about you know, leadership as influence over somebody or in a relationship with somebody, um, you know, oftentimes and kind of in this series, we're talking about it in um, the context of the next generation right? Yeah. and leading kids, students, young adults, like whoever's coming after us and making sure that they are devoted disciples of Jesus. Um, but for those people without kids, mm -hmm. maybe by choice, maybe not by choice, maybe just in a season of life. How do they lead? Yeah. Um, how do they continue to make disciples of the next generation? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I want to answer this from two sides. One is a parent, 
and then two as a long-term youth pastor mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you have some perspective to share on both those sides too yeah as a parent I'm so grateful for other people and personalities and stages of life that influence my kids like I'm so thankful for some of the seniors in our church that love on my kids and teach my kids and, and show my kids different glimpses of community. I'm so thankful for other pastors in my kids' life. I'm so thankful we have a neighbor across the street um, who is just really kind to my kids. And you know, every time it's their birthday, he pulls some cash out of their out of his wallet and hands it to them, and you know, lets them play basketball in his driveway. You know, like I'm thankful for other people because as a parent, I do not have everything my kids need. Now, I have maybe some of the most important things, and, and so we never want to minimize the parent's role. It's the most important influential role in a kid's life, but it's not meant to be the only role, yeah. and Scripture's clear about that. I think human history is clear about that, mm -hmm. um, that, that kids are meant to be shaped by a community with their parents as the central voices in that community. So as a parent, yeah. I need other, other people to be involved. I want other people, healthy people, yeah, <laughs> to sure. be involved. And then as a youth, a youth pastor, um, I, was, I was always amazed and, and I, I became convinced that it had nothing to do, influence had nothing to do with relevance, mm -hmm. it had everything to do with being willing to extend relationship first. Totally. Yeah. And so I had some, you know, very relevant young adult youth leaders that were all, all wrapped up in themselves and never built relationships. Mm -hmm. I had some other young adult youth leaders that were incredible yeah. because they extended relationship. One of my favorite stories though um, that I've shared with the church before is uh, my friend Grandma Jean, um, who is currently in her mid-90s and, and lives in a nursing home in Portland. But throughout her 80s, she was one of my best youth leaders because she loved every one of those students. She would turn her hearing aids off during youth worship because it understandably was like messing up her hearing. Um, but she wanted to be with those kids. That was what was important to her. And then she had all their names memorized. She would write them handwritten notes, every single one of them. I mean, 100 kids would get a handwritten note every three months. She made wow. it through all the kids. That's awesome. Um, I had another another youth leader that was a retired middle school principal. We called him Bob the Boss because he kept me organized. He was a school administrator, retired, that helped me organize so many different events, keep all the leaders and students on track. I mean, he used his job skills, but for ministry. And um, so just different people, I guess, is my, my point. Yeah. And what what limits us is often our own willingness to like step across a boundary mm -hmm. and build a relationship yeah. um, and use the gifts and talents and personality we have for, for the good of something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I would just say for those that don't have kids, what do you have to offer? Yeah. Like there's some kids out there that need more than just their parents. Mm -hmm. There are ministries out there that need your personality, that you need your gifting. So where can you get involved? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in yeah. your church? Uh, where can you get involved and invest in the next generation? Yeah, and I think it comes back to that perspective that, that you shared is viewing kids as a gift, viewing the next generation as something God has trusted us with yeah. as Christians and, and believing that they're worth it, believing yeah. that they're worth our time, our energy, our effort. And, you know, we have some of those youth leaders now who 
that's, you know, that's their time. They still have kids of their own, Mm -hmm. but they, you know, they know it's worth it. They're not like the cool people. They're just like the real people who are living their lives for Jesus and, you know, throw a, throw a few extra teenagers in the van on Wednesday night and bring Mm -hmm. them with them or, you know, go to the school play and bring a teenager with them. Like those types of things, those real life, um, real life people really make an impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what even studies show is that if if parents can lead as much as they can, but then if you have a trusted mentor coming mm-hmm. alongside your kids, that's the best chance they have for really walking with God. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we often give ourselves too many excuses in so many areas of yeah. discipleship. And I don't want to be mean about that or harsh about that because I've done the same thing mm-hmm. in all sorts of different areas. But I think if we recognize and really validate Jesus' calling to make disciples, it erases so many of our excuses, and we have to step out and build relationships. Yeah. And in this case, we're focusing on the opportunity and the responsibility to build relationships with the next generation. But I think it's true in every area of our life. Mm-hmm. And so kids or no kids really doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, invest in some young people mm-hmm. in your community. Yeah. So another group of people I was thinking about is people who maybe their kids have left home, their kids are grown up, um, they kind of feel like, you know, man, I'm kind of done with the parenting thing, or or a lot of parents that, that I talk with of teenagers feel like, you know, I kind of already messed up, you know, mm, that, that yeah. ship has already sailed, I feel like I lost my chance. Um, and you talked a little bit about that yesterday, that that there it's never too late right it's yeah. never too late and i wonder if you there's more that you could share with people who are kind of in that boat of of man i feel like my time is gone already yeah yeah i mean think about what are some of the most powerful testimonies um that we hear like we love when we hear a testimony of a life that was radically changed yeah right it's very impactful to us shows us the power of jesus Absolutely. Um, it's something to celebrate, gives us hope for some of our own battles. And for a parent that maybe feels like they failed, what would it look like for you to be that testimony in front of your kid? Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're a teenager in the home that you, you feel like the first decade of their life you didn't do a great job with or whatever, um, or whether you're an adult parent, uh, uh, you're, you know, you're an empty nester with adult kids, what does it look like for you to live out a transformed life mm-hmm. and let your let your child see? Uh, you know, part of that probably has to be some apology yeah. for things that you messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I hate verbalizing when I make mistakes, but I think verbalizing those apologies is the starting point to totally. demonstrating transformation. Hard to really expect people to read through the read between the lines without yeah. that verbalization of it. Um, but man, I, I didn't really, I didn't grow up in a home where there was, you know, attending church or where there were some of those kind of things that we would call Christian behaviors. Um, but I still remember when I was a, a sophomore in high school, you know, coming down for school and I thought it was weird that my dad was up already reading his Bible mm-hmm. because that was different than the fir- than the previous decade yeah. of what I had experienced. And my dad reading his Bible led to other changes in our family, led to a career change for him, mm-hmm. eventually led to us going to church as a family and me getting saved. Um, but I look back and, 
yeah, my parents made some mistakes in my early childhood, but I, I'm, I so value the transformation. Yeah. And it really was convincing to me that God was right. doing a real thing. Totally. So we don't, we shouldn't underestimate what transformation will do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes the self-pity or the guilt or the shame can really hold us back from some pretty cool turnarounds, reconciliation yeah. and restoration that God wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Don't count it out. I think that's like, you know, it's never too late to say sorry yeah. <laughs> to your kids, to your adult kids, you yeah. know, and that is so powerful, that word sorry. Yeah, and then come alongside some other parents yeah. and support them because you understand what it's like to fail, but mm-hmm. you also know the beauty of persevering. Yeah. Um, come alongside some other students and, and be a mentor to them. Yeah. Um, in maybe a healthier way than you were capable of when you had your own kids. So Mm -hmm. don't, yeah, don't, God redeems us so that he can use us to redeem someone else. And we don't want to sell him short on that. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's a part of our testimony, right? That's a part of, of, you know, even if your kids, your adult kids, your teenage kids kind of reject you and don't really believe you, don't buy into it, um, you know, Praise God, pray that that will happen in the yeah. future, but also, you know, you like you said, man, be a mentor yeah. for other people and make it right. I've, I've even done and been at funerals where the person who had passed away was someone who had come to Christ later in life and, and had had that, like they didn't raise their kids in a way that made their kids want to know Jesus. But through the testimonies shared at their funeral, their kids suddenly became open to Jesus. And so even after their life was over, their transformation was having an impact on their adult kids. I mean, that's a pretty, none of us want it to be that Mm -hmm. way. But man, again, don't underestimate what God can do in and through you. Yeah, that's good. Well, the one scripture that I think was really powerful as a parent um, for that group of people is, Talking about, um, in Deuteronomy where it says to talk about the Mm -hmm. scriptures, to tie them on your foreheads, and um, obviously we don't walk around (laughs) with scriptures on our foreheads, although, you know, tattoos might do, I don't know. Yeah, tattoo on your forehead? Yeah. Um, You go first. (laughs) But I was, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, practical ways that parents parents can do that without being weird, right? Mm -hmm. But just being like investing in conversation and making sure that we get those moments to share our story stories of transformation um and you know that that happens in lots of different ways um for me as a parent a lot of times on sabbath that's like our kind of our big like jesus day yeah um which i think is what what god wanted but um absolutely but then also you know car rides are like a big Mm -hmm. time where we get you know you get that undivided attention in the car totally um and uh you can have those conversations you Mm -hmm. know pastor sean he has those car cards that we get to use each week and i think that's a great tool and um you know there's there's other moments as well that you create you know having that rhythm of praying before Mm -hmm. bed praying before meals um modeling that to kids uh, you know, we have our son pray as mm-hmm. well. Like we don't just pray, but we have him pray and, good. and practice prayer. And then sometimes after he prays, I'm like, hey, did you pray for anyone else besides yourself? You know, <laughs> did you did you say you're thankful to God? And, you know, kind of yeah. like 
coming back to that, um, like, hey, prayer isn't just, you know, a vending machine, but right. like, let's let's be thankful to God. Yeah. Let's think about other people. And so so those are some of the moments that, that I really enjoy as a parent. And um, they always bring more moments yeah. when we, like, start those conversations. Um, is yeah. there any, like, moments like that or practical tips that you have in, in continuing conversations with kids? Yeah, I, I mean, I love all those things because it just speaks to, like, you know, at home and on the road, yeah, it says, totally. right? So you're talking about, like, man, it's at, at home on Sabbath yeah. and when we're in the car on yeah. the road. I think it, it should come up pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because we just get so busy or all those things, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's, that's probably, that should be a warning sign to us. Mm-hmm. Um, if all we're doing is rushing to the next sports practice or talking about how they did on their math test, if those are the only things that we express concern about, our kids will grow up and that will be the only thing they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I think it's important for kids to see their parents um, in worship. You know, like yeah. obviously we're at church for two services on a Sunday. We don't expect everybody to to do that, but. Um, you know, we try to have our kids sit in one adult service yeah. and then go to kids' church for a service. They're mm-hmm. old enough to do that, elementary age kids. But, um, you know, there's a part of that, like, I want to model to my kids me worshiping Jesus and me taking notes on a sermon mm-hmm. when I'm not the one preaching. Those kinds of things are important. I want to model to them that I'm practicing what I preach. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge one, and that has to be at church. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important focal point. Um, but also at home in different settings, we try to take um, a few evenings a week. It's usually not every evening of the week, but a few evenings of the week to sit down before bedtime and just go around and say, hey, what what have you been thinking about? What have you been reading about in your Bibles? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you? What do you want to pray about? Like mm-hmm. what's on your mind? Who can we pray for in our church? Who, yeah. who have you talked to that we can pray for? And just have those spiritual conversations as a focal point of the evening as well. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on free days, they're like, hey, can we watch cartoons? Can I play my Switch? Mm-hmm. Can I, all these different things. And we're like, sure, did you read your Bible yet today? Because yeah. we want to put God first. That's good, yeah. Um, things like that that we, we try to keep as expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and those things that that are not necessarily spiritual, there's ways to, you know, remember that God's a part of everything, right? Yeah. So, like, before or after sports practice, like, Hey, how's your friend doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like, does he know Jesus? Like yeah. those types of things. We, we try to have it's those good. conversations too. Like, man, is there a way you can invite them to church? Yeah. Like, um, so to be on the lookout for those moments yep. as like we're supposed to do when we're in the grocery yeah. store, um, you know, make sure that our kids are kind of trained in that way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then I think it's amazing how many conversations our, our kids have way more questions than we want to answer. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, maybe that's just in my family, <laughs> but I can't believe how many questions I end up answering just about daily life, Yeah. which often gives me the opportunity to give my kids a why behind why I do something or why I don't do something that everyone else does. Yeah, totally. I still remember um, Estella, you know, we were at a stoplight on the way to school, and I think she was like a kindergartner. And um, there we were at this long stoplight. There was somebody smoking a cigarette pretty expressively on the corner. So she's watching this person. And she's like, Dad, what is that? Mm-hmm. What is that that they're doing? What is that thing in their mouth? And I was, I remember saying, well, that's a cigarette, and they're smoking. And she's like, well, what is that? 
And I'm like, well, you know, I'm explain, trying to explain yeah. to a five-year-old what a cigarette is. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, well, why would people do it? And I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, well, it, it helps people relax. It makes them feel good. Yeah. And she's like, well, why don't you do that? Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm trying to explain addiction to mm-hmm. a five-year-old. And then she's like, well, if that's true, why does anybody do that? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, sometimes people do things they shouldn't because it makes them feel good. Yeah. Even though there's a long-term cost that they probably don't want. And, and if you smoke cigarettes, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's just like for a five-year-old, they're trying to wrap their heads around this. Mm-hmm. But my point is, don't shy away yeah. from how, what you think about those things in the world. I think as parents, we have all these topics we think are off-limits. But when our kids ask about uh, substances, our kids mm-hmm. ask about um, sex and sexuality, mm-hmm. when our kids ask about different things that are coming up in their culture... For us to talk about that in terms of good or evil, in terms of pleasing to God, or hey, we don't do that. Like Mm -hmm. that's something that the enemy wants to lure the world into, and we feel bad for people. We feel compassion for people that have been sucked into that. We're not angry at them. We're not judging them. You know, we're not calling them these pagan sinners, you know. Um, We're just saying, man, we want our kids to understand that they live in the middle of a spiritual war that Mm -hmm. Jesus has rescued us from. But we still have purpose in in winning more people. And that story plays out in so many little moments that we try not to avoid. We try to embrace those. Mm-hmm. And again, often on car rides or yeah. following a public situation where they totally. witness something they don't normally see in our home, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Movies and oh, yeah. stuff too all the time. Totally. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think with the recent kind of surge um, with a lot of Disney movies yeah. recently of mm-hmm. having various um, homosexual characters Mm -hmm. in in movies. Our kids have noticed that. They've asked questions about that. And now we're trying to teach them how to understand that both as something that is not what God's intention is for us, but that we have compassion for people who are are feeling those things, Mm -hmm. who are pursuing those lifestyles, and who don't yet know Jesus Mm -hmm. and, and the plan that he has for them. Yeah. So I think that's a great, a great kind of tip for parents because we don't want them to be so sheltered that you know they're getting all their information from their friends and from their schools we want to be the people who are um, taking responsibility to disciple them and um, that's what god calls us to and um, you know we all have a part in that it's not just parents it's all of us together yeah, and, you know, we joke a lot because none of us really got to take a class on how to be a parent. Yeah. You know, like there's just, there probably should be more of those. Yeah. We even send people to pre-marriage counseling, but we don't send Not them to parent. pre-parenting yeah. counseling. Um, maybe we should invent that. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are so many good resources out there mm-hmm. if we'll take initiative. And I'm really excited for the Parent Forum yeah. coming up um, because I know Pastor Shannon has put together some resources. Cascade Christian Schools has given us a, a resource list that they use. Some things that are both books and podcasts and um, YouTube resources that are that are great for some of those things. Um, but then also there's the resource of just parents coming together in mm-hmm. community and sharing experiences. I think that's going to be huge as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited for the rest of this series and to hear more about how we can influence the next generation towards Jesus. So we will be back with you next week and we'll hear more about that on Sunday. Yes, keep your eyes open and look out for that next generation and invest where you can.